let me tell you, as um, the team was praying for me this morning, I heard God say that he has a word for someone in this room or one of you online, and it relates to exactly what Ollie taught us. So let me reiterate that point. Somebody in here or online is having a challenge with following God's plan for your life because you just don't understand it. And I'm hoping that as we look a little bit deeper into Noah's life, that you'll receive some encouragement to do just that, follow his plan, though you don't understand. So I know that you're familiar with Noah, right? We've all heard of him in some Sunday school story, or in my case, um, when I was a child, we had what was called Charlie stories, and they were these flannel board stories and things like that. So again, we're very familiar with the story of Noah. But I want to encourage you this morning to actually lean in as we go a little bit deeper in the life of Noah, because Noah's life is not just a baby shower theme. God calls Noah a hero of the faith in Hebrews 11. And so I take that to mean that there is so much that we can learn from his life. And I hope to highlight a couple of those things this morning. So I'm hoping that you're going to walk away with three takeaways this morning learning about the anarchy of the people, learning something about that righteous man, Noah, and learning something about how you can be in the know, how you can hear from God and know what his plan is for your life. Okay? Are you ready to jump in? All right, so let's start with anarchy. So I looked that word up, and the dictionary describes anarchy as a state of disorder, due to an absence of or the non-recognition of authority. What you need to know is that during the time of Noah, they were just 10 generations removed from the Garden of Eden. So God was still in authority, but people during the time of Noah were rebels. They disregarded God's authority. They ignored his direction. They were what I call buck wild. (laughs) (laughs) And the way I think about that time in history, um, the parable of the persistent widow came up in my mind. And so that's found in Luke 18. And there's a verse that talks about the judge in that parable. It reads, there was a judge in a certain city who neither feared God nor cared about people. So when you're in a place where you don't fear God, you're not worried about consequences, you do whatever you want, and you don't care about people, you don't care if your actions hurt anybody, you're just buck wild, you're just doing whatever you want. That's the state of the people during the time of Noah. When I was talking with Pastor Jen about this um, as I prepared, she gave me the example of Um, the time of the Dark Ages or the Crusades, when there was this extreme depravity in people. They did all manner of evil. And so that's what it was like during the time of Noah. And I want to read an example with you. Actually, read it with me of a snippet of what society was like during that time. Read with me Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. I think I'm going to step this way (laughs) after the bottle of water. Okay, here we go. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently totally. 
not that they slipped every now and then, not that they had a bad day from time to time. What God noticed was that they were consistently and totally evil. You know, that type of attitude, that type of carefree, careless, not worried about God's standards reminds me of a familiar wickedness today. You know, so it wasn't just the people during Noah's time, but the Bible actually talks about current day. Read with me Matthew 24, verse 37. It says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be coming. So we can't just look at, man, they were bad, (laughs) but know that there is that same attitude of anarchy that will exist until Jesus returns. And then one thing that stood out to me, though, was God's heart in all of this. So if you read verse 6, you'll see his position. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. I never saw that before. The status of their actions, their consistent evil, broke his heart. I saw that from a parent's perspective. Because as a parent, you give your children everything. You teach them everything. You share wisdom with them, and you hope that they're going to follow direction. You hope they're going to walk in their footsteps. You hope they're going to do great things. And when you see that they do not, that they're consistently doing their own thing in an apathetic, carefree, I do what I want, I'm not worried about the consequence kind of way, then every loving parent realizes that you can't allow that forever. At some point, you have to say, no more. And so that was God's position at that time. And you know, some people take advantage of grace. You know, I know there's nobody in this room, and I know there's nobody online, but some people kind of marinate in that delayed consequence. You know, I'm going to do it as long as I don't get caught. It's okay to speed as long as they don't catch me. It's okay to X, Y, and Z because I haven't been caught yet. It's not uncommon. Let me read, or actually read with me, Ecclesiastics chapter 8, verse 1. It reads, when a crime is not punished quickly, the field is safe to do wrong. The only thing I have to say to that is, don't be that person. Don't be that person. So we've spoken about the anarchy of the people, that position of their heart. Now let's talk about the righteousness of that man Noah. Okay? Read with me Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. It says, but Noah found favor with the Lord. Everybody else was doing all manner of ungodliness, but God noticed Noah. And the thing that stood out to me is that God is always looking for people who will honor him. 
I get excited about that. Because no matter how bad it gets, sometimes you feel like, God, do you see I'm trying? And he does. Noah found favor with the Lord. And I want to let you know that Noah was not perfect. As you know, there was only one perfect man, and it was not Noah. <laughs> if you read later on in Noah's life, you'll read that he got blackout drunk. He did a whole lot of you know, things that he shouldn't have done. But you notice that he wasn't perfect, but he was favored. And so I, let's talk about what made him different. Let's read together verse 9. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time. Stop right there for just one moment because I want to highlight righteous man. Righteous simply means in right standing. So that doesn't mean that you don't fall. It means that you stand back up. That doesn't mean that you don't make a mistake and turn away from God. It just means you turn back and get in right standing over and over and over again. So again, Noah was not a perfect man, but he was considered righteous by God because he was sincere in his desire to do God's will. I like the way that Pastor Jim put it last week and when she said, and I'm maybe misquoting her a little bit, but she said, walking in the light does not mean free of sin, but free of secrets. So it's not that you don't do anything wrong. It's that you have a posture that I am going to confess my faults one to another. I'm going to confess my faults to God. I am accountable to some authority, and I keep coming back to get in right standing with God. That's what made Noah righteous. That's what makes us righteous. And so let's read the rest of that verse. It says, and, oh, come back right there. There we go. And he walked in close fellowship with God. What does it mean to walk in close fellowship with God? So one word that stood out to me was walk. I think so many times we're running <laughs> in our lives. I'm a professional multitasker. And I'm sure I'm not the only one in the room. We're always doing a million things at once. But when I think about walking in close fellowship with God, that's a slow pace. That's a one-on-one -on -one experience. That's a, a stillness, a quiet, so that you can kind of hear from God. When I was working on this message, my husband and I were talking, and he used the military term, so I might get it wrong, but he said it's like maintaining calms. You're staying in close communication with the person who is giving you directions and instructions, that you're always listening. You're always waiting for your next direction. You're maintaining calm. That's what it means to walk in close fellowship with God, that you're quiet enough to hear, that you're looking forward to hearing from the, your, your authority. You know, I thought about when we first um, started having church in Black Box and the firehouse is right next door. It would sound that alarm, and we would kind of jump or pause. But now, over the years, we've gotten so numb to it, we've tuned it out. I don't even notice it anymore. I asked Pastor, does it still go off? <laughs> but it does. 
but we don't hear it anymore because you've tuned it out. And so I want to encourage you, if you hear God sounding an alarm in your life, trying to say something to you, trying to get you to do something, to step out, to do a plan that you don't understand, please don't tune him out. Walk in close fellowship so that you can hear what he has to say. And then the outcome of maintaining calms is the third point. You get a chance to be in the know. You get a chance to get insight directly from God. Read with me verse 13. It says, so God said to Noah, I have decided. Pause right there. God let Noah in on the plane. He said it directly to him. He told him what he was planning to do for his life and for the lives of everybody else. He was in the know because he walked in close fellowship with God. And so when we do that, God has an opportunity to share his ideas, his plans for our lives, and gets an opportunity to challenge us to do some things that we never got a chance to do, that we never thought we would be able to do. So here's my testimony. (laughs) Y'all know it. (laughs) So I will tell you about a month ago, my husband and I were leaving church and we're driving down the road to home, and I got a little afraid because I felt like God gave me an idea of how Bridge Church is going to continue to grow and what that means for worship. And, and I thought, I kind of countered back to God, and I was like, but um, God, I'm not a musician. <laughs> I just like to sing in the audience. But God said he's going to use that. And then I think about people like Pastor Rick, who's deaf in one ear. And yet God is using him to work sound and the tech booth and a whole lot of other things. And then I think about even Leroy, who is a God-made introvert. And God has him working connections and talking to people. (laughs) And I'm sure, (laughs) I am sure that if I ask any one of you or any one of you online, you can put in the chat, some way that God has used you in a way that you never thought would be the case. But it is because you said yes to walking in close fellowship. You're listening to what he's telling you to do, and you're making a decision. I'm going to do it, although I don't understand. So as I was studying um, this week, I came across another, not another, but a pastor (laughs) who... um, was preaching on this subject, and he gave a wonderful example about the difference between our expectations and the reality of what it is when God tells us to do something, when God has a plan for our life. And he used an Ikea analogy. So when God tells us to do something, we think it's going to look like this. Yes. All right, God, you're telling me to do it. I'm going to step right in. It's done. But you know the reality is God's plan usually looks like this. (laughs) You know, we've all been to Ikea. (laughs) And we know that that plan doesn't start like that. That plan looks more like this. (laughs) 
And so that's the, the reality. In order to get to the plan that God has for your life, we're going to have to follow some directions, some, some foreign language directions. <laughs> and actually, that's what Noah had to do because what God was about to tell him was foreign to him. He had no concept of how he'd get to the end. So read with me verse 14, because God is about to give him direction. God says, so make for yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in it, and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. So pause right there. Because he went on to tell them how high, how wide, and how many decks, how many windows, all of that. But the thing that stood out to me was the first couple words, make yourself. He didn't say hire contractors. <laughs> he said make yourself. And Noah was not a boat maker. Nor did he have any concept of the foreign language that God was speaking because until that time, there had never been rain. So God is telling him, it's about the rain. I need you to build an ark. What's an ark? Like he's speaking a foreign language to him. But Noah paid close attention to the details. And you can read all the details in the remaining verses. And then one thing you need to know, though, in following all these steps, if you've ever done an Ikea project, it always takes much longer than you thought. <laughs> it's always much harder than you could have imagined. And that's what Noah experienced as well. The Bible does not record how long it took to build that ark. But you can imagine. There were no power tools, and it was just he and his family. So I imagine it was very hard work and many, many years to get it done. And again, when talking with Leonard at home about this, uh, we start talking about how when God tells us to do something, sometimes we kind of forecast, ah, oh, it's going to take this many years or it's going to take this, it's going to be so hard. And, and, and Leonard said, you know, at that point, when you look down the road, you think, ah, no, thank you. Yep. <laughs> Many of us tap out, if we're honest. And what I like to call that, though, is a toddler tantrum. <laughs> because spiritual maturity has nothing to do with age. Spiritual maturity has to do with your ability to maintain persistence, and passion, no matter how long it takes and no matter how hard it is. And so Noah persisted. It was hard work, and he did it. And you know the outcome, right? So there are rewards to following God's plan, even when you don't understand, and you stick with it. So read with me one of the rewards in verse 17 and 18. It says, look... I am about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. You need to know that only eight humans survived the flood. 
Noah, his wife, he had three sons and their wives. And the thing that stood out to me is if you follow God's plan completely, then everyone connected to you is going to benefit. Ah! <laughs> I love that thought. If you decide to be righteous, if you decide to walk in close fellowship with God, if you decide to maintain calm, everybody connected to you is going to benefit. There's one other benefit I want to share with you in verse 20. Read it with me. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures. So stop right there for a moment. When I first read that, I thought, I cannot imagine how Noah was going to go, because again, no cars, and get every single, how are you going to get two of every bird? <laughs> how are you going to go and get two crocodiles? How, how does that happen? It sounds good in the story, but how does that happen? Read on. Uh, yeah, two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and of every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. Woo! Did you hear that? I never noticed that before. The word said he'll bring them to you. Following God completely, the benefit is you position yourself to witness miracles. I imagine Noah became like a GPS. Wherever he moved, they came to him. Wherever he moved, they came to him. God can work out all the details once he realizes that you're willing and determined. So the last thing I want to leave with you is this, verse 22. Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him. When you think about this multi-page direction for this one little project, I think about the fact that Noah may not have understood it. He may never have done it before. And despite how long it took, how hard it was, read it with me again. Noah did everything exactly as God commanded. So I want to ask you, what about you? Put up the last slide. Do you listen completely to God? What about believing him? Do you believe him completely? And finally, do you follow him completely? We want to pray for you. So I'm going to invite you now just to close your eyes, and I am going to ask you to raise your hand to one or more of these prompts if it applies to you, because we want to pray for you in each of these areas. So again, you may raise your hand to just one, or you may raise your hand to multiple, but with all eyes closed, raise your hand if you can honestly say, God, I'm having a hard time listening to you completely. It's hard for me to hear you. This is just not an easy thing for me to do. Raise your hand 
if you say, I hear you, God, but I'm having a hard time believing you. It, it, it sounds impossible. I, it's, it's, just, it's just too hard. I can't really wrap my head around it. I, I know that you can do all things, but I have a hard time believing you completely. And then finally, raise your hand if you say, I, I hear you, God, and I believe that you're going to do this thing in my life but I'm having a hard time following you completely. It's really long, God. It's really hard. I, I, I'm doing it a little bit, but I'm having a hard time doing it fully. I want to follow you completely. Can you help me? I see your hand. Keep your eyes closed and let us pray for you. Jessica, would you come and pray? We are so humbled by this message, so reminded that you're in every detail, that you know when we rise, you know when we sit, you know when we walk, you know when we speak, you know all the things, you know our hearts, Lord. And today we ask you, help us. Help us to listen and to follow Help us to hear. Lord, I would ask for our congregation, for all of us here, for me, God, that you would help us to quiet the noise of our lives and of the world and the demands and the constant pulling and tugging. Lord, that we would be willing to hit pause on all those things and to say yes to what you have for us. And we ask this in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Amen.